Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another podcast episode of Mysterious Headlines. Today, we're continuing the trial of Lori Vallow Daybell. Now, if you're not caught up on this trial to date, you can go back here in my podcast. I am uploading a podcast episode every day of this trial. So last week was jury selection. I have two episodes talking about that. Um, Yesterday was the first official day of trial with opening statements and the first witnesses called to the stand. So you can go back and catch up if you are not caught up already um, with this case. But again, I'm going to be uploading a podcast every day with the um, recap from that day of trial. Again, there are no, no cameras allowed in the courtroom. So all the information we are getting is coming from reporters that are in the courtroom. So it's kind of secondhand information, but I'm doing my best to relay that information to you as to what has gone on in the courtroom that day. So as you know, yesterday, Kay Woodcock and Brandon Boudreaux were the two witnesses called to the stand. Um, And today, the witness called to the stand, um, we had Detective Roy Hermosillo. So he was the detective on this case in Rexburg, Idaho. He works for the Rexburg Police Department. So he started out by explaining that he's been a detective for four years, but he's worked with the Rexburg Police Department for 22 years. He said that on November 1st of 2019, he, um, he was contacted by Fremont County. So this was like the first time he got involved at all related to this case. And he got a call from Fremont County saying that there was a Jeep that was possibly involved in a homicide. And they asked him to conduct surveillance on Lori's apartment, kind of watch for this Jeep because they thought it was involved in a homicide. So he said he saw Chad and Lori come and go from the house. He never saw young kids. So he never saw like JJ or Tylee come and go from the house. Again, this is November 1st of 2019. Then um, November 4th, the Jeep was seized. Then November 18th, he said that Gilbert Police Department, um, so Gilbert is in Arizona, um, and that's where Lori and Charles and the kids used to live. He said that Gilbert um, Police Department came to Rexburg to serve a warrant on the data system, data info systems on the Jeep. So they came to kind of investigate that a little more. And he said that's when Ray first heard about J.J. and Tylee. Prior to that, he was not aware that they had kids He was not aware of much of the situation, but when the Gilbert police came to Rexburg, that's when he learned that they had two kids, JJ and Tylee. He was told at that time that JJ's grandmother was concerned for him. She was concerned for his well-being, for the kids' well-being. Arizona police asked to check if he was in Arizona. So they... Um, He checks with Arizona police to see if they're in Arizona. So November 25th, Arizona detective called him saying, nope, we have no sign of the kids here. So that's when Kay officially asked Rexburg Police Department for the welfare check. So the next day, November 26th, is when they perform the welfare check at Lori's residence. He said they saw Chad and Alex unloading things from a pickup So Ray says he went to Alex and asked if Lori was home and Alex said no and he explained to him why he was there. He said I'm here to do a welfare check 
because Kay called. She's very concerned about the whereabouts of JJ. And Alex did not say anything, apparently. And that made Ray become suspicious. Like, what's going on here? Because he said Alex just looked at him with like a blank stare and didn't say anything. So he asked him again, where is JJ? And Alex said, JJ's with Kay in Louisiana. And Ray said, well, that can't be possible because Kay was the one that called us and said she hasn't talked to him, hasn't seen him, and wants to call the welfare check. So Ray says he called Detective Ron Ball because all of this was kind of weird and suspicious. And he explained that he was concerned about this whole situation, that they called other detectives. They knocked on doors of other um, houses in that apartment in that apartment complex and detective ball told Ray to go to prosecutor's office and to ask for a search warrant. So other people stayed at the scene to wait for Lori or Alex or Melanie to return. And they didn't get a warrant that day. Now he says that Lori did return and or return detective hopes call and agreed to open the door and talk to, um, detective ron ball so ray describes what he saw on the body cam which this body cam footage is out there if you're curious um the body cam footage is out there you can go to youtube you can um search for um rexburg police department body cam footage Lori valadebel and you'll find it okay so he describes what he saw on the body cam he contacted gilbert police and said we still don't know where um JJ is, do you know where he is? And they said, no, we still don't have any whereabouts on JJ. So another detective reached out, reached out to Melanie Gibb. And she said, I don't know where JJ is. I don't have him. So then November 27th is when they served a search warrant for Lori's house. So um, Alex's house and Melanie Pulaski's house. Um, because... The days leading up to this, Lori had said, she's with Melanie. She's with my friend Melanie in Arizona. But then when they called Melanie, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have JJ. So the 27th is when they go back to serve the search warrant at Lori's house, Alex's house, and Melanie Pulowski's house, who is Lori's niece. Again, they all had houses in this little area. They, they're calling them apartments in this trial. But if you look at the photos, to me, they look more like townhouses, but... um. If you hear apartment, that's what they're kind of referring to, although I would technically call it a townhouse. But they all had houses in this little complex. They said they had, Ray said he had to break down Lori's front door. He said when he walked in, there were, um, you know, there were couches in there. There were dishes in the sink. There was food in the pantry. He said there were no clothes on the hangers. He said that was bizarre because there were other things there, dishes, food, but all the hangers were empty in the closets. He said there was nobody in the house. He said there were a few toys. There was some medicine that had JJ's name on it. And he said they went into the garage and they found guns and weapons. And they showed photos today uh, that they took of what the house looked like when they went in for the search warrant. And Ray said he thought it was odd because usually if someone goes on a trip, they're not going to take all their clothes with them. They'll take some clothes, but not all their clothes. So he thought that that was odd that all the clothes were missing off the hangers in both of the closets. He said there was a tub in the closet that was labeled with Alex Cox's name on it. 
He said they used, after this, they used cell data and tips to determine that Lori and Chad were in Hawaii. And he said other officers were sent to Hawaii to issue a court order. So we know January 25th is when that court order was issued. So he said they went, got to Hawaii and they went into the condo there. They served a search warrant at the condo there. And he said it looked like there were two adults that were living there at the time. There was no sign of any kids' things, no toys, no nothing in that condo in Hawaii. It was just like two adults were living there. Detective um, Ray said that the last proof of life for Tylee was September 8th. A photo of her, JJ, and Uncle Alex Cox at Yellowstone in front of the Yellowstone sign. This is her last proof of life. And then they asked to add that photo into evidence. And then the last proof of life for JJ was on September 22nd. And there's a photo of him on his couch in the house. And they asked to add that into evidence. So then he kind of fast forwards to June 9th of 2020, which was when they go to Chad Daybell's house. He said the police department went there. He said they knocked on the door and his son Mark opened the door and said, my dad's still asleep. They went to Chad's room. They sat on his bed and said, we're serving you a search warrant. He said Chad got dressed um, and walked with him to the kitchen. He, Chad asked if he could call his attorney, who at the time was Mark Means. So they let him, Chad called his attorney, and then Chad asked if he needed to leave. And Ray and the police department said no, but if you do do want to leave, like, you have to have an officer accompany with you. So he said Chad went outside to make a call, um, and Ray says Chad was looking over his shoulder. He was sitting in his car looking over his shoulder while on his phone. And Ray said he looked at the same spot where Chad was looking, and he saw a tree and a pond in the backyard. And he said they began sifting through the fire pit in the yard. There was a section of shorter dirt where the dirt was uneven, and so as they removed dirt, they saw a black round object through the dirt. Now, I'm going to keep it kind of PG-13 here. This is getting into some sensitive information um, which is obviously an important part of this case, but I know there's lots of different people listening, so I'm going to kind of keep it PG-13, and I'm not going to get too graphic here, um, but that is when they found the first body. So he goes through some very graphic details of the body, and that was the body of JJ. He said they took that body to the coroner's car, and he said the coroner drove to the morgue. They followed behind in their car. And then they returned back to the house and they started digging in what was known as the pet cemetery area, which was where Chad Daybell would bury pets. And that is when they found the second body, which included burning flesh. And that was Ty Lee's body. Again, not going to get too graphic here. They, he said the police stopped working that day as it was getting late. They secured the area with tape. And they returned on June 10th, ne- the next day, to continue. They said they finished removing Tylee's body. They took it to the morgue. And then they took the bodies to Ada County. He, So this was all happening before lunchtime today. Um, this was all from Detective Ray. So then they went on lunch break today. And they 
came back from lunch break and Lori essentially asked to be excused for the afternoon. She didn't want to sit there for the rest of the afternoon. Now, we know they're going to continue talking about gory details of her kids and how they were found. And she basically said she didn't want to sit there. And her team tried to argue that she has a fragile mental state. And so they thought it would be a good idea if she was excused. And the prosecutor basically said, like, no, it's important that the defendant is here in the courtroom. And the judge ended up ruling that she needed to stay. Now, it was reported that in the morning, Lori was seemed very happy. She was even smiling at times, talking with her team, and seemed in good spirit. But then after the judge ruled that she had to stay there, she was crying at times. She, her head was down. And she was not talking with her team. And she was not making eye contact with people. So the judge did rule that she had to stay, which... Good on that judge. I think it's important that she's there to hear these details of her kids that were dead and killed and buried in her husband's backyard. It's important that she hears this. So they put multiple different photos into evidence, graphic photos of um, the bodies um, that when they were found and then the bodies after they came back from the autopsy. So Detective Ray goes on to say that June 11th was when they... um, did the autopsy and he went into the graphic details of the autopsy again i'm not going to go into all those details because you know that's some sensitive um things but he went into all the graphic details of the autopsy that was all of the prosecution side with detective ray so then came the cross-examination so Lori's team had some timeline questions for ray And he explained that he did a two-week surveillance in November of 2019 prior to going and actually serving the search warrant on Lori's home. That it was a two-week surveillance, so that was a question they had was kind of, how long was that surveillance? They asked him why he served the warrant after the first visit to Lori's apartment. And he said the reason why is because she said he was with Melanie, she said JJ was with her friend Melanie, and when we called Melanie to check that out, it didn't check out, and Melanie said he wasn't with her, so that's why we served the search warrant. And they went on to cross-examine him about the guns and weapons in the garage and asking if he ever thought at any time that Lori owned those guns and weapons in the garage. And he said, no, I never thought they were Lori's, alluding to the fact that they were probably Chad's or her brother Alex's. And he, they asked where Lori was on October 19th. And he said, to my knowledge, she was in Hawaii at that time, which they were bringing that up because October 19th was the time that Tammy Daybell died. So then they went on um, to ask him a little bit more about the search warrant. And he said that they planned the search warrant for um, two weeks prior to going And serving the search warrant at Chad's house on June 9th, they had kind of planned that two weeks in advance. And they asked him if it was the first time he had been at a crime scene with FBI. And he said, no, it's not necessarily my first time that I was at a crime scene with the FBI. But he said it was the first time to this magnitude. He said, I've never been at a crime scene of this magnitude with this many FBI officers. And they asked him to describe some more things about the scene, about the size of the fire pit. 
They asked him what type of shovel they used when they were digging, and he said he couldn't recall. Um, but they wanted some more specific details on the scene. And that is where things ended. They ended the trial day at 3.30 um, Idaho time. And the cross-examination of Detective um, Ray will continue tomorrow. So today they only called one witness. But, of course, this is a very important witness. Ray was the detective on the case. And I think it's interesting to know that he was surveilling Lori's house two weeks prior, but didn't really have any background knowledge on the kids or anything related to that. Um, But I think that that's really interesting information because we didn't know that prior Um, but of course, a lot of sensitive information here, but very important information and a lot of important photos, um, submitted into evidence today. So the cross-examination will continue tomorrow. I'm assuming they'll probably get to call another witness as well. Um, once they finish the cross-examination, I don't anticipate the cross-examination of him taking all day, but I'm sure they will have some more questions in the morning. Um, And I'm assuming probably like after lunchtime, they'll be able to call a second witness to the stand. Um, As I've mentioned before, there are lots of witnesses I anticipate being called to the stand. Lots of people that haven't been called yet. Um, I have a feeling that um, Melanie Gibb might be one of the next witnesses to be called to the stand. um, Because she was there around the time of... JJ and Tylee's um, last known whereabouts, their last proof of life. So I think she'll probably be the next witness called. And she also has, I mean, we know she was called in the pretrial. Um, she's got lots of background information on Lori because she was her close friend. So on her change and how she kind of changed and, um, you know, into a different person. And then she was there visiting them around the time that JJ died. So she's got some really pertinent information surrounding with that as well. So um, I think she'll probably be one of the next people to be called to the witness stand. And I'm sure there will be a heck of a cross-examination with her. Um, They'll have a heyday um, trying to pick apart some of the things she says, I'm sure. Um, But I anticipate her being one of the next people um, called to the witness stand. So again, I am covering this trial every single day, putting out a podcast episode with information from that day, a recap. So if you hit the subscribe button, wherever it is you're listening to this podcast episode, you'll get a notification when I upload a new podcast episode with the latest day's information. So that's the easiest way to stay up to date in this case. Again, thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning in and we'll talk again tomorrow. Bye.